got kind of a controversial monologue today. I was pondering it as my wife and I were talking. We usually talk about the stuff of life ourselves. Anybody who's either listened to this program regularly, and I, I count regularly as once a year. That's what I say. That I've got a lot of regular listeners, and if you if you listen once a year, I count it. Rather flexible definition of regular. Knows that a paramount problem among religious parents is their young adult children turning on them. Not because they were bad parents, but because the kids thought they weren't sufficiently judged appropriate from the kids' perspective. Or the kids have left the faith, and because of that, they decide they don't want to relate to their mom and or their dad. Much of the time, the parents didn't really do anything wrong, but they have been cut off. This is a phenomenon that is so prominent. It's a pandemic among people who try to raise their children in a religious home. Some of you who call in, you will will say you haven't heard from your children kids in three, four, five, six, eight years. They've just decided to shun you. So here is a suggestion, an option, a question, something that you might ponder. I'm not recommending it, but I'm saying, what about? If your child has resisted and rejected your outreach. You've tried. And they have decided you are not worthy of their attention or their contacts. You are not worthy of seeing your grandchildren. If this is your state, here's the question. Are those young adults or maybe even middle-aged adults by now. Still in your will? But Dr. Ray, I think it's something that you could legitimately consider if you have written me off. And maybe there's four children in the family. And one has decided you are not worth having any relationship with. Are you, in your will, equally dividing up what you leave as an inheritance? Now, the question becomes, they've said they don't want to have anything to do with you. And you have tried. You've reached out. You've apologized. You've done what you could. And they resist. They're stubborn. And it's been years now. But Dr. Ray, there's always a chance for reconciliation. I understand that. And hopefully that will happen in some percentage of the cases. However, 
if you changed your will and they're no longer in it, would you be wrong? Is that somehow unfair? Unchristian? Now, I can hear some of you thinking, if I were to do something like that, and then I left this world, they would hate me even more than they seem to hate me now. Hmm. Well, you just said something. You said even more than they dislike me now or want nothing to do with me now. But Dr. Ray, do you realize the conflict that could set up between the siblings? If three of the siblings are given something as an inheritance and the fourth is not? Do you realize what that would do to family cohesiveness? As I said, this is just something for your consideration. I know personally, I might think long and hard about that. If, if I had a child write me off, and in fact, resisted, rejected, batted away, all of my reaching out, I'm going to give you money? First of all, one could even make the case that there's no moral obligation to leave any money to any of our children. You've raised them. You've given them much of your attention and your material well-being. If you decide to give it all to charity, are they going to be upset with you? Here's one thing you could do. You could take that percentage that would go to that particular child who has rejected you and simply give that percentage to charity. Is this controversial? Is this something you haven't thought of? Is this terrible? Is this unloving? I don't think I don't think so. Yeah, obviously most people are not going to do it, but if you decided to do it, I think you would be well within your rights. You're well within your rights to leave your inheritance anywhere anyhow you want. It's yours. There's nothing written that says, I have to give this to all of my children. You may decide, I'm going to give half of what I got to charity, and the other half will be divided up. That's up to you. But my wife and I were talking about this. We've got ten children. None of them are estranged from us. But I keep my will on a dry erase board in the kitchen. Yeah, if they come in and make some snotty remark, I just kind of erase their name there and say, okay, well, you got to work to get it back on. No, I don't. However, give me your opinion on this. I've already got one up there. i got one up there that's going to give a different side. <laughs> 877 Five seven three seven eight two five eight seven seven fifty seven equal. Thank you for joining me. I'm Dr. Ray Garendi. Would you like to experience renewed life in your marriage, rekindle romance, and discover the key ingredient for a joy-filled marriage? If so, join us February 10th at the Maryville Retreat Center in Holly for a dynamic couples program led by Teresa Tamio and Deacon Tom. 
Using their marital journey, scripture, and church teaching, they'll help you rediscover your marital spark. Whether you've been married one year or a hundred, expect to encounter the Lord and grow together in faith and love. To register, visit MaryvilleRetreatCenter.org. Come visit and let God find you. What is at the center of your life? Is it your job, your career, your money, your name, your friends, your family, or is it Christ? We make decisions every day based on what's at the center of our lives. In a given day, you're dealing with everything from fairly simple decisions like, what should I wear to work today, to extremely stressful and impactful decisions like, what direction should I take my company? The decision is based on what you value most, what is at the center of your life. We all need to ask ourselves, are we self-centered? Are we family-centered? Are we Christ-centered? Do we make decisions based on what would Jesus say, what would Jesus do, what would Jesus think, or what might others do, say, or think? When you communicate, when you act, when you make decisions, make sure Christ is at the center. This has been a Christ Center communication message. I'm Vanessa Denha-Garmo, a communications evangelist and host of Epiphany. Catholic Charities of Shiawassee and Genesee Counties have been providing health and creating hope since 1941. It's the generosity of donors that allows them to provide necessary services, such as their warming center, which provides refuge and comfort to thousands in our community. They also offer hot meals in their soup kitchens and help families make ends meet in their community closet. Even the smallest donation makes a meaningful difference. Join us in their mission by giving a donation at catholiccharitiesflint.org. an inside baseball phrase that particular topic as I expected poked the bear last time we poked the bear like that was when we talked about tattoos and I talked about the social contagion the sheep-like quality of people just rushing to get tattoos bigger and broader and using their body as a billboard let me first go to Andrea from Lincoln, Nebraska. She's 19. And she says, Dr. A, <clears throat> I'm giving you the youth perspective. Hi, Andrea. Hi. Um, okay, so I'm 19. And um, I just, I was listening. And I, coming from a young adult perspective, um, I just wanted to give my side of the story to be helpful to any parents out there because um, I actually went through like the exact thing you were talking about. Um, And so basically a little bit about me. Um, I grew up in the Catholic faith, um, went to Catholic high school, went to Catholic grade school, everything. And then I, like the whole time, I didn't really know what um, what I was like learning about. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, and that was until I actually, uh, like rebelled from it. And I basically decided I was going to go my own way. And that led me down to, um, I started smoking weed and just like figuring out things that filled the void for myself 
and I just, I sweared I was going to move out as soon as I turned 18. And I was like, I was like, I'm never talking to you guys again. And I just thought they were the worst parents. Um, this was when I was like 16. And then um, I got into new age spirituality because um, I was chronically online. So that led me to that. And eventually, um, I had an encounter with God, and I started getting convictions towards things that I was normally doing um, on a daily basis. And um, I started finding my way back to Him, and I moved out, and um, I am making my own money, paying for my own apartment now. Um, are you still not talking, <clears throat> Andrea? Are you still not talking to your parents? Oh no, no, no! That's where I was going with it. I literally have the best relationship with my parents now. Like I, they're my best friends now, and we've gotten over it. But yeah, they do come back. <laughs> so you are back in the will. I am, and I'm like, probably <clears throat> like. <laughs> I like I'm leading them more to Christ now. <laughs> or your I'm story, strengthening their faith. Your so, story yeah. is one that parents who find themselves in the situation with a child, a, a young adult who says, "Get out of my life," which is what you were anxious to do with your parents, and then ultimately somehow some way God opened up your eyes, touched you. And in doing that, you came back to your parents. Your situation is a bit different from, for example, a 24-year-old, 30-year-old, 32-year-old who for years and years and years has not had the turnabout that you did, who has said, I will cling to my hostility toward my parents. You didn't. And uh, not only do you have a beautiful relationship, which is invaluable, but you probably got some inheritance money but you're only 19 so your your parents are probably still pretty young so uh given that i think that's a beautiful story andrea and i think what you meant to say is dr ray it's kind of typical for kids to go through a period where they think their parents are absolutely dumb knowing nothing totally misguided cultural throwbacks which you probably thought but you came around rather quickly, which was rather impressive, my dear. And uh, good for you, and uh, good for you attempting to show your parents your journey and how maybe they could journey too. Bless you, Andra Andrea. Thank you so much for the call. Teresa was here, and she dropped. She says she had the exact same situation. She said, I truly believe we work hard for what we earn. And we have a right to do with it what we want. Then she says, I have one child who will be getting nothing. Probably the biggest objection with that is that the parents are afraid of what will happen upon their passing. Sadly, I've seen so many situations where siblings become estranged with each other because of some inheritance issue. Um... Before I go to your calls, and I, I thank you for your patience, my mom died uh, about 
is how long has it been for Ma now? 16 years ago. At the funeral mass afterwards, after mass was over, my sister got up and gave it just a beautiful, heartfelt appreciation for Ma. You know how everybody becomes wonderful after they're dead? Well, Mom was. I got up after Marianne, and there was no way I could add to that. So I said, after the last patriarch, matriarch passes, and the children are now the leading generation, sometimes there are conflicts over inheritance, over who gets what. I'm glad to say that's not happened in our family. There's been no battles over possessions. My sisters can have the car. My brother can have whatever possessions he wants. I really only want one thing. That is my mother's coupon book. My mother never did anything without a coupon. And her coupon book, at the time of her passing as best I can estimate, was worth about $12 million. We did the funeral with a coupon for $9. All I wanted was the coupon book. That's it. Pat from Cleveland, Ohio. Pat agrees. No obligation to leave money to children. Hi, Pat. Hi, Dr. Ray. Hey, I just saved you a bunch uh, of money. I saved you a bunch of money. Hello? You there, sir? Gotcha. Yeah, okay. So regarding the, you know, my, uh, I'm one of eight kids. I have a brother who always, immediately if my parents would call him for help, he had skills for fixing things. He'd always be right there. And he, he died at the age of 44, leaving a wife and six kids. And as my mom was getting close to, uh, to passing away, she was trying to figure out whether to include my sister-in-law in the will. I said, well, Joe did more for you and Dad than any of the rest of us. Why would you leave his family out? And everybody else agreed that my sister-in-law and her kids deserve at least as much, maybe more than the rest, because my brother did more for them. So I think in terms of wills, take into consideration who has done most for the parents. That's a generous attitude there, Pat. It truly is, especially given that every one of your siblings agrees. Everybody knew what he was about. <laughs> That's a beautiful thing. Most parents are very scared of doing that because their view is, well, somehow that's not fair. Somehow it should be divided totally equally to avoid any kind of family friction. But I agree with you. I think how the parents... It, it ended up being divided equally. And then there were some who would rarely come around, wouldn't even come over my mom's birthday. They might be there for Christmas and Easter. Hmm. But they got the same share. Yeah. Hmm. But nobody well, argued about anything. Well, that's good. That's good to hear. But you're right. There is no obligation to divvy up the inheritance a certain way. Pat, but thank you. But there seems to be a justice... Yeah. In paying for the ones that did the most. Yeah, the argument someone might make against that is, how do you decide what was the most? You know, I go visit mom too, you know, just because I don't have the skills that my brother does 
doesn't mean that I can't do something good to make mom feel right. I know what you're saying. I'm just being the contrary position, which is a natural position for me. 877-57-EQUAL is the number to call to get onto the program. Thank you for joining me. is in get to your calls in a second um again we have more calls regarding the whole idea of inheritance but julie has been so patient she called at the very top of the program hi julie doc how are you thank you for taking my call you're more than welcome uh tell me about this brother of yours well he's amazing intelligent been through a lot Obviously, um, I just want to know what, how do we as a family support group, I called, do you have them there? Julie, you cut out there for a second. I imagine somebody was trying to call you while you were on the phone. I'm sorry. I'm in the country. Can you okay. hear me now? I got you real clear. I'll pull over. The Okay. The well, I feel like a state trooper. Uh, can you pull over, ma'am? Um, <clears throat> you said your brother was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder, but that he's also been diagnosed manic and bipolar. Is is now those are those are the manic especially along with the bipolar is is pretty serious disorders. <clears throat> are you saying that there are times when he's not in his right mind? Yes, sir. Ooh. Like lack of sleep has a lot to do with it. That's a big, big trigger when you can't sleep correctly. When he acts manic, uh, what is he like? Um, I am. It's almost like you have attention deficit because your brain is going 100 miles an hour. Um, skipping over topics from this one to that one to that one to that one, back and forth, uh, lots of emotions. Are there times now he's described as bipolar, which could mean he has periods of either depression or stability. Does that happen or no? When when he has a break, he becomes very agitated. Um, I haven't seen the depression so much. Are there times when he's stable? Okay, are are there times when he's stable? But right now he's not. I mean, right now. Right. Okay. It's interesting. I I can't know this, and I I don't want to comment too much on it, but I'll I'll just throw you a, a generalization, Julie. Okay. He, may, he may have been diagnosed PTSD because he has a, I'll use this word, forgive me for using the word, he has a substrate of mania. In other words, there there are times when his brain is not working right, 
and somebody views that as caused by, was he in the service? Yes, sir. As caused by his time in the service, when in fact the mania could have erupted during the time he was in the service. Is that the case? Yes, sir. Okay. Was he med boarded out? Um, no, he was uh, he was active for a while, and then he was contractor. I see. Okay. Right now, he's away from his wife and child. What's he doing? Um, he came to be with his immediate family, mom, sisters. That's all you guys. Yes. He's living with you. He's currently staying with my mom, yes. Okay. He just got here two days ago. What's what's his reason for leaving his wife and kid? Is, is he saying their marriage was in trouble? Is he saying, I'm I'm not thinking right and I don't want to put them through this? What What's the motive? Um, I believe the wife is a major trigger of his manic state at the moment well okay i can't know that julie but if it is a bipolar manic type disorder uh, much of the time it has uh, forgive me for using it this way a mind of its own in other words the chemicals doing what the chemicals are doing if that's the case i mean i can't know I would have to. I'd have to sit with him and get a history for a long time. Right. Your original right. question is okay. How do we support this guy? Does he yes. want to leave his wife and kids? Is he saying I just need a break, and you guys are going to help him think through what he's done and what he can do to reconcile with his wife? Um, it's more about his mental health stability at this point than worrying about what the future is with him and his wife at the does moment, he have a psychiatrist it's about um he has a therapist that's been doing cognitive um behavior therapy involving colors and things but he hasn't seen her in months because he moved away i see so he's getting no so intervention at all right now that he's back here in texas where his therapist was before he moved away He's going to go to see her, and he's got an appointment scheduled with the VA. And okay, well, well, hopefully, the therapist will see him in this manic phase with his pressured speech and his agitated emotions, and will say we need a psychiatric consult here because medication could help if, in fact, this is a biochemically based mania. Uh, you probably have the complications of a marital situation that isn't good and it may be related to the wife saying I can't deal with him when he gets like this is that part of it well the issue is he he recognized the signs of it coming on in November and we were not informed by him or his wife that this was happening so it came down to okay, well, now I'm really having issues because nothing's changed, and now I really need help. Okay, well, that's good. Because, again, nothing happened. All right. It's good that he recognizes that something isn't working right, and I think right. the thing you can best right. do for him, Julie, is to accompany him to the therapy sessions, and if, if in fact, uh, he allows you, you might, you might give a little history to the therapist. I get that sometimes. They give permission 
for a family member to talk to me and give me some background from their perspective, give me flesh out the history a little better. But perhaps also, if he's open to a psychiatric appointment, if necessary, um, it's it's interesting. He's got a, a combination of, of diagnoses here, and oftentimes they kind of overlap, and it's it's really hard to say which came first. So I would suggest that as your as the family, you look for the the help, get him the help, and also maybe. Talk with him about what's keeping him back, what's keeping him from reconciling with his wife and his child. Does he want to be away from them? Uh, Does she want him back? Or is she saying, go live with your mom until you straighten your act up? All that has to be asked and explored. Because you can't know. So those would be my suggestions, Julie. You got yourself in the middle of a complex situation, my dear. Got a lot of calls up there. I'm going to try to get to everybody. Thanks, Julie. Try to get to everybody as best I can. This is Dr. Ray. distresses me and it doesn't distress me for the reason you would think it distresses me because there are people waiting patiently to talk and I'm getting through them as I can I don't want to rush everybody but I feel badly badly I feel bad I think is the grammatically correct way to say it because I want to get to everybody and the only way I can compensate for that is to say you call back any time in the future you're first up Robin says, my daughter considers us toxic. Ooh, I hate that word. It's poisonous. I hate that word. Robin says, my husband doesn't want to include her in our will. We have two other children who don't find us toxic. Maybe just a little abrasive, not toxic. Hi, Robin. (laughs) Hi. How long has she thought you toxic? Oh, um, probably about 10 years. Whoa! Um, oh! Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's durable toxic. Yeah, she's, she's holding... Well, I, I chalk it up to pride and ego. She, you know, she's told a lot of people a lot of bad things about us. Ooh. And um, I think that she, you know, her pride and ego won't let her back down now so no contact um i can't say zero contact she comes around for um she doesn't have any children of her own but she comes around for her nieces and nephews and you know we see them at ball games and stuff like that but but it's not any contact with you it's always got to be for some other primary purpose yes and i i speak i always speak and sometimes she says hi and she forgets that she's that I'm toxic, and she'll speak a little bit. But well, um, oh like come on, Robin, you can no. you you could say hi to somebody, and you're not poisonous. You know, it would be like if she had a whole sentence that she had to say to you. Then you'd be toxic. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Your husband doesn't want to include her in the will. Are are you saying I don't agree with him? No, I'm not saying I don't agree with him. I just 
I'm not ready to pull that trigger yet, you know? Um, and there's another word you're using. My first... See, Robin, you're using the word toxic and trigger. You know, you are really up on psycholingo. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm not what triggered. Do you, <laughs> what, do you, what do you think will happen when you say, I don't want to pull that trigger? Uh, you think that uh, at some point there'll be a reconciliation here? Um, I pray for that every day. Okay. My, it'll never happen with my husband. She and he have always kind of butted heads, and and he has as much pride and ego as she has, so he's not going to back down either. Well, you always could re, 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 rewrite your will if, in fact, the relationship becomes somewhat smooth again. You could do that. That's true. He, your husband's probably saying no matter what, even if it becomes civil, she doesn't get anything right. from us. That's what he's saying. I I haven't heard him say that, no, but I, we just really don't talk about it a lot. And every once in a while he'll say, we need to go to have our will redone, <laughs> you know. <clears throat> if you say to him, if we do that, would you be willing to alter it if it ever happens that she has a change of heart of some type? Oh, yeah, I, I would be willing to say that to him, sure. Okay. And then if he says, no way, no how. You know, he may say, no way, no how, because she's burned us for 10 years, and I don't care what she does now. I think you know as well as I do he's taking this exceptionally personally. That ungrateful well, little witch yeah. in his mind. Well, yes, and you know she has a she has an alternate lifestyle that he doesn't agree with, and that's part of it too. Well, I'm going to assume also that she doesn't like your religion. Well, she was born and raised Catholic. She, you know, um, but of course that's yeah, that's not something that she would ever do now. I think, Robin, this comes down to a a meeting of the minds between you and your husband. Okay. It's not a matter of, gee, which one of us is right. It's a matter of Correct. what are we both going to agree upon here. Right. Wouldn't be It wouldn't be immoral if you said we're not going to leave her anything. And it wouldn't be immoral okay. if you said we are going to leave her something. Um. Well, I don't think at this point, I mean, would you think that she would expect that she, we would? I mean, you know, I kind of wonder that myself. Wow, that would I, be a shock if mom and dad actually did leave us something. Well, I suspect that she would think the reason you didn't is because of her lifestyle, as opposed to the fact that she shut you out for 10 years. Right. That'd be my guess. Um, and I don't... I don't have a problem with her lifestyle as per se, but when when the word marriage came along, you know, with a same sex marriage, I just I just I, I'm against that. I, I don't like that use of that word in well, it, you know life. Robin, it's not a matter of you being against it. It's a matter of if you are a Catholic and you believe the Catholic Church speaks for our Lord, then it's our Lord saying Marriage is between a man right. and a woman, not you. 
And I think your daughter is somewhere, saying, we just disagree, Mom. Right. And we did, and we and we lived amicably for for years, you know, with with her coming out of the closet and all that stuff, you know. And um, we lived amicably for years. It was, you know, it was tenuous, to, you know, between she and her dad. But, I mean, they... You know, where they got along, and and uh, but the, the marriage thing, and I I wouldn't it, mine really doesn't have anything to do with my being Catholic. Mine has everything to do with I just don't think that that there is such a thing. I agree with the Catholic Church on the fact that there is no marriage between a man and uh, uh, same sex partners. How old's your daughter? Forty, forty one. Yeah, she's not a kid anymore. It's not somebody that no, ages. she's not a kid. Yeah, she's she's pretty stabilized in her writing you off. So you got to decide. Mm-hmm. You say to yourself, she's right. written us off. So why are we right. going to write her in? Right. That's your decision. I. Uh, well, I've had a lot of I've had a lot of static for not going to her wedding and and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. I mean, I have friends, you know, who are who are actually Catholic. <laughs> very very catholic and they said well if it was my daughter i would have gone to the wedding and i'm like well that's your choice this is my choice and i have to live with that choice well i don't know if you're catholic or you're christian but the both i am both okay so given all that uh, it's a matter of if you believe god speaks and has spoken about marriage only being between a man and a woman then you would look at what she's doing as uh, not valid, and right. it's not a matter of well, this is my opinion. Yeah, well, if right. it's only your opinion, then she's absolutely correct in telling you. Well, you think the way you think, and I think the way I think. But if there is a God, and if in fact He does communicate at some level with us mortals, then uh, this has been pretty clear in throughout all of Christian history. Robin, thank you for the call. Appreciate it so much, sir. Thank you, this Doctor. Is, you're Have a welcome, good day. Bye-bye. This, this is Dr. Ray. Resetting your password. Unsubscribing from emails. Printing anything. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with an auto owner's insurance independent agent, getting the right coverage for your business doesn't have to be one of them. So you can get back to more important things, like learning how that printer works. That's simple human sense. Call Choice Insurance Agency at 734-641-4200. Food for the Journey, Sister Ann Shield. You know, we would avoid a lot of difficult arguments, just spouting off at the mouth, as we sometimes say. Just ask the Lord, give me the words to say. Maybe I'm rightfully angry, but if I just shout and yell and scream... What good is that going to be? Brothers and sisters, God can give us much more control over our anger, over our fear, over our language. And so whenever you're in a tight spot, just stop for a moment and say, Lord, what would you have me do here? God is good. I don't mean he's going to say words that will come down from heaven. But if you pause just for a moment, you'll get hold of yourself. And you may well get a thought that you didn't have before. And sometimes it's just quiet, but it's enough to bring down the steam. And then you think what is really right to say here. You might be justifiably angry. How do we respect the other person while we're correcting them? 
Please, brothers and sisters, let us open our hearts to God in those moments. Sister Ann Shields gives you food for the journey, weekday mornings at 645 and again at 1130 on 990 Ave Maria Radio. Thank you for joining me, Dr. Ray Grani, program Dr. Zim. Monday through Friday, 1 o'clock Eastern, co-production EWTN, Global Catholic Radio Network, and Ave Maria Radio Communications with today my call screamer and doubling, of course, as always, my board operator and producer of the program, Andrew Kruchek. Now, Nick, here's an interesting thing about this. Um, <clears throat> your sister is actually quite generous because the cultural number is, I believe, 1.86 before you become irresponsible and, uh, well, actually, she she pulls you into child abuse. Hi, Nick. Hi. <laughs> uh, your sister says anything more than five is child abuse because you simply can't appropriately attend and love that many kids, right? That's exactly what she's saying. <laughs> and like I'm 23, and I want a family at some point. And that is she's not making you doubt yourself, is she? Just a little bit. Ah, like I know that I can, but just makes me doubt myself, you know. Well, did you ask her where'd you get the number five? Um, I did not, but suspiciously, I, I am one of five in my family. Aha. Okay, hold on a second. Let me offer a psychological insight here, Nick. Do you think has this has anything to do with your sister feeling like she's low dog in this family because your parents had too many kids, and the fact that she doesn't get her share of love and attention as she sees it is because there's five kids? That is very possible. Hmm. Well, let's a leave that as... Yeah. A big factor is she has BPD. And that's uh, been a large struggle in our family for a very long time. Okay. Now you're talking uh, borderline personality disorder. Yes. Okay. That's a pretty severe personality disorder. And if, in fact, she she meets the criteria for that, then are you saying there's just a whole lot of maladjustment on this young lady's part? I think so. Okay. Well, one, Nick, why would you give her any credibility about family size? I don't understand that. Uh, two, we live in a culture that says kids are okay. I mean, they're one option, but more than two, come on, what are you doing? That's the cultural mindset right now. So anybody who says, I want to welcome and love any kids our Lord gives us is viewed as, well, a little bit crazy, if not totally, totally misguided about what family is. I had a mom once, when somebody accused her of having too many children because you, you couldn't love that many children, you, you divided up your love too much. She said, love doesn't divide, it multiplies. Nick, we had 10 That's kids. We had 10 kids. And at one point, they were all 12 and under. 
I said to my wife one day, I, I can't. I can't play with each one individually as much as I would like. And my wife said, Raymond, you big dummy. She didn't say big dummy, but I looked at her eyes and I knew that's what she was thinking. <laughs> and she said, that's why they got brothers and sisters as part of the family. And she was right. Nobody picked me for the soccer games. I got tired of being steady pitcher. I went, I wanted a bat. Come on, you guys, I want a bat. No, Dad, just just roll the ball in, okay? You can't really run. So, Nick, you wanted my thoughts on this? I will tell you this. I have talked to so many people in my life who have said, when they were much older, I wish I would have had more children. I have yet to talk to one who said, I had too many children. That helps every, a lot. Thank you. Every parent of a bunch of kids will tell you it's just that much richer. Now, that's not to say, now here's where I think your sister's right. That's not to say the more kids you have, the more likely you could get a tough one. That's just, that's just law of averages here. But, in fact, she is simply reflecting She's probably big into social media and everything else. So she's simply reflecting the pop culture view now of having kids. Thank you. That helps. You're welcome, buddy. Ask her. So why'd you pick five? Why not three? Why not seven? Where'd you get five? And you'll find out if she's saying, well, I got ripped off because we had five. That's why. So... God bless you, Nick. And maybe God will give you a bunch of kids, and and you can be like me. I got, uh, I got. Let's see. I had a whole baseball team plus plus a bench warmer, and I had two basketball teams. So had a bunch of them, and I never paid taxes for years. Thank you, Nick. God bless you. And you call back, dear. You will be first up. I promise. Andrew promises. He's the call screamer. Thank you for joining me, everybody. You made my my journey back here so very very nice and i've been sitting here for close to the last hour and nobody has brought me any food so i am really decompressing from being on a cruise ship i think i better head to the golden corral tonight just to kind of get one in for information on dr ray's presentations books and cds visit dra.com and follow him on facebook and instagram The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.